In today's episode, we discuss disrupting conventional paradigms as dads with special guests, Jason DeRocha, a trailblazer with over two decades immersed in child development and education, and Paul Bromby, a veteran in sports broadcasting turned children's author and basketball coach. Have a listen. There's a voice deep inside every dad calling him to lead. Society, vices, inner demons, negative thoughts try to dampen and drown out that voice, but it never goes away. Your wife feels it, your children feel it, and your heart and soul feel it too. It's the voice that starts off as a whisper, but then becomes a calling. A calling to be the tip of the spear for your family. A calling to play all out and lead by example for your children. A calling to build a legacy that will go on for generations. A calling to be the warrior dad you were born to be. Dads, our children need us now more than ever to be that beacon of hope, courage, positivity, and strength. It's time to rise as warrior dads together as a brotherhood. If you felt that twinge in your soul, it's time for the warrior dad experience. Welcome to the show. I am extremely excited. First time we've got three dads on the show together. So that's uh, that's incredible. I've got Paul Bromby and Jason DeRocha on the show. Jason and Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having us, Jeff. Appreciate Thanks. it. I'm excited. That was a great intro. I'm fired yeah, up. I'm ready to run through a wall here. <laughs> I, I, that is the typical reaction I get. And man, energy is so, so important, right? Energy is that passion, excitement. So I'm glad it uh, glad it did the job. So let's start out. I always love to frame up the family dynamic. So Paul, could you uh, could you share backstory family dynamic for you? And then, then I'll go to Jason. Sure. So um, my name is Paul. I'm uh, my son. Austin is nine years old um, and uh, I've been separated from his uh, mom for the last seven years. So he was about two or three when we separated. Um, luckily, we were able to co-parent uh, very well together. Um, so for the most part, I would have him on the weekends and after schools at different times. Um, I work at Sportsnet in Canada, which is a, a sports television uh, network. And so we, uh, I, I work a lot of weekends and nights, so it's been, you know, it's tough just to have that regular custody where, you know, we have them for, or, you know, I have them for three days, she has them for three days. So, so it's worked out. Um, you know, I've been able to have them, you know, it, as much as possible and be there for, you know, sporting events and different things like that. Um, you know, even at Christmas, I go over in the morning, we open presents, come back for dinner. So we've been very amicable and very lucky that it's kind of worked out in that way, but it still is a huge challenge working nights and weekends and not being, you know, not having my son with me as much as I'd like, but, uh, it's, you know, that's kind of a work in progress. Gotcha. Appreciate it. Jason, what about you? Yeah, the opposite situation for me. I'm sure my wife would appreciate some separation. Uh, we both, <laughs> both work at home, uh, you know, uh, different floors of our house. We have two little girls. We have a, a six-year-old and a nine-year-old, uh, Amari and Elise. Um, you know, I've spent over 20 years working with children um, in a sports, private sports education business uh, and then walked into a new realm of, of becoming an author and publisher and writing children's stories and visiting schools. So, you know, I get a chance to be dad at home, but then it's as well visit my kids at school and their friends and, and, and the various uh, schools in, in my neck of the woods as well. So I have a chance to be, you know, dad and educator and, and author and publisher. Awesome. I appreciate you both for, for sharing. And I know back in the uh, in the room behind the scenes, we were talking about just this dynamic of parenting as a dad. And then how do you 
stop from projecting past failures, unfulfilled opportunities onto your kids. Yeah. And I know we're going to have a discussion on that. And I'd love to start there because I think it's so, so important. And I know we've, we talked about this, that we all coach youth sports and we probably see it so much. And I see it where dads are, are crushing their kids and on them like constantly. So, you know, how do we, as dads, balance that, hey, we want to push them to be their best, but we don't want to project maybe something that we didn't do or, you know, we, we had some failures in our life on them. So I'm, I'm interested to kind of go and, and uh, you know, go down, down that hole. Paul, I'll, I'll start with you. And then I, Jason, you can, you can jump in after. Sure. Sure. Uh, you know what? I played university basketball in Halifax, Nova Scotia at St. Mary's. I was very lucky to be always be part of a good team. So we won a national championship in my last year. Um, and you know, my role always changed. I was either, you know, I played quite a bit and then didn't play at all. So for me, uh, you know, and you talk about failures, I never looked at it as a failure. I looked at it as a learning lesson to accept a role and be a good teammate. So mm -hmm. for, for me, when I coach it and, and, you know, I even got cut my first, first year and then ended up coming back and being a captain in my last year. So for me, resilience and, and sticking to it and not, you know, quitting if you if you fail has always been something I'd like to teach these kids when when I coach with my son. I coached him last year and I, I think we talked about this. It was it was a difficult situation because he couldn't separate dad from coach. He would miss a layup or turn the ball over. And instead of running back a defense, he's looking over me at the bench with tears in his eyes. So I had to uh, I had to step back uh, this year and luckily he has two amazing coaches. They have a really good team and uh but it's a little difficult being on the sidelines you know because there's certain things with other players on that team that i know i can help with but i think for my own son's development uh i still practice with them or still coach them at practices but uh yeah it, it's difficult you want them to succeed i think and you mentioned this the one thing i do preach and i'll never kind of step back for or accept is lack of effort so mm -hmm. i'm always on him for effort and uh but he has a good work ethic and uh but yeah it's a tough situation that dynamic of coaching and parenting um yeah sometimes i have to remind them on the drive home when we're at practice i'm coach i'm not dad um and if you know and if i'm raising my voice or intense i'm i'm trying to help you i'm not being negative or criticizing and i remind a lot of the kids that because you know i think you said this i'm intense at practice mm -hmm. uh, they just, you just have to remind them it's coaching and not criticism right right and i think intensity is is uh, and passion means you care right yes. and that's a way to way to frame it up and and be from 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 that perspective, Jason, what what about you? From from kind of you know that projecting any yeah. unfilled potential or opportunities missed on onto our kids. What what's your what's your yeah, thoughts? You know, I've had I've had the benefit of played very competitive basketball and volleyball growing up. Uh, played at the provincial level, um, and and I was ex I'm ex an extremely competitive person, and and a lot of that has driven me into very successful places in my professional career. You know, in terms of being a leader and 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 you know what's one of the greatest things that you get from sports is determination and, and hard work and, and just not giving up. And you don't ever take a loss as a loss. You always try to get back in there and try and get a win. Um, you know, so I was able to use that and leverage that really well in my personal career. Um, when I got into this, especially the sports company that I worked, it was a non-competitive skill-based program. And we okay. worked with really young kids. And so my, my thought process started to change. I started to focus a little bit more on showing up and the value of the social skills that are innately built into sport and, and the opportunity that you have to teach kids. And so, you know, 10 years later, I had my own two little girls. I already had this appreciation for just the love of the game and, okay. and rewarding effort. And so one of the things that I do with my kids, because like I said, you know, I have a very competitive sports background, so I don't, I don't project this. I let them know very clearly 
what I look for up front. So what is it that I'm rewarding? You know, kids will will gravitate towards what they what they feel they're going to get praise for. And so I'm very clear. Here's here's what success looks like to me. And so showing up, trying your best effort. You know, I took my girls rock climbing yesterday and it was amazing to see. I mean, this wonderful rock climbing coach and the girls, my, my youngest, she's six and we're scaling this. She was up, you know, it's about a 50 foot wall and she's about, I would say a, a third of the way up. And I'm even feeling a bit nervous uh, watching this. And, you know, I can see she looks down and she pauses and the coach did something really amazing. You know, instead of saying, do you want to come back down? He says, okay, do you want to pause and just sit back in your harness? Don't go anywhere. Right. I'm not bringing you back down, but pause. Take a break. Give your hands a chance to rest. Realize you're not going to fall and see if you got a few more, a few more rocks in you. And she took another three or four before saying, okay, I'm ready to come back down. And I think that's really it. She realized there that, you know, we wanted her to succeed. We're there to support her, but we're also not going to, you know, allow her fears to seep in and, and allow her to scale back down. Of course, if, if she if she really needed to come back, we would have. But I think just making sure that we're there for the kids, making sure that they understand that whether they choose to move forward and move backwards, we're there, we're going to give them the support that they need to move forward. And that just allows me to succeed as a dad. Yeah, I love that. And I love the the effort. That, that both of you talked about and reinforcing that, right? And and I think we're, we're all basketball guys, right? So you talk about, hey, how many parents, how many points did you have? Okay, that's that's great. But how many times did you dive on the floor for a loose ball, right? That's yeah. that's an effort player. What time, what type of defense did you did you play, right? Did you were you intense in, in defense throughout the game? I think that reinforces effort. And you know, the uh, the other thing, Jason, you said is you know, the kids gravitate towards what you highlight, right? And what you bring out. So I think as dads, and we need to be very intentional about what we're reinforcing. One of the things I'll, I'll just share with you, you two guys, I, I love to say, hey, what's one thing you did that was great, right? One positive, start out with the positive because we're wired towards that negative side, right? And then it's, hey, what's one thing could you, could, could you have done better? And then what action are you gonna take to get better, right? It's not, hey, you were terrible at this. You were because that's how we're wired, and I think our internal narrative happens so many times. So, yeah. you know, those are those are great uh, great pieces. Of that any other uh, any other comments on kind of you know moving those traumas onto the next generation? Any other watchouts that you guys have that you can think of? I, oh, sorry, Jay. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I think uh, what you see a lot is a lot of projecting uh, in in the stands, a lot of parents uh, yelling at the refs, yelling at the kids. And uh, in Halifax, they actually had at basketball games, there wasn't allowed any parents in the stands for a weekend because things had escalated so much to yelling at refs and confrontational with with, uh, other parents. And I just think we need to realize that this is for the kids' development and we're the we're the adults in the room that need to lead by example. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I say that if you saw me play in a senior men's league, you'd be like, this guy's the worst example for anybody <laughs> out there. But as a coach and a fan in the stands, mm-hmm. I'm much different. And you really have to represent yourself. The kids are always watching us. I mean, they're always mimicking what we're doing. They're learning from us, whether it's direct or intentional. They're always going to be watching us. So I think having respect for the other teams, you know, how we cheer in the stands, you know, you're not booing kids to miss free throws. Like, I've seen this at you. And I'm like, what is yeah. going on? But, you yeah. know, just pr- trying to um, 
trying to be a fan in a positive manner and, and mm -hmm. encouraging our kids to, you know, effort and winning isn't every, I, I hate saying that, but winning isn't everything and how you represent yourself sometimes does matter. And I think I've learned a lot more from losses in a lot of games than I have from wins. Sure. And that's also hard to say because I'm very competitive and want to win every time. But I do think, you know, we got to remind ourselves as parents that, that we're the leaders in the room and we're the leaders in the gyms and fields that we, you know, yelling at rest and, 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 that kind of stuff needs to be cut out of amateur sports and youth sports. Gotcha. Jason, what'd you have? Yeah. Just to add to that, I think, you know, we also need to give ourselves some, some room to breathe as parents because we all mess up and, and the guilt we all have at the end of the day, before we go to bed, the way we spoke to our kids, the way we handled the situation, we all feel it. If, if you love your kids and you want what's best for them, you're going to reflect and, and, and really, be uh, critical of, of the choices that you make and, and the, the things that you say. So I think you just want to make sure that you're also giving yourself latitude. So if you do make a mistake, if you do, are yelling at the game or you give some kind of critical feedback that you know took the wind out of your little one's sails, I think it's important as parents to acknowledge that, mm -hmm. to say, hey, you know, to sit, so I do this with my daughter at night. And what's really amazing is um, if I sit down and I say, you know, Mara, I wasn't really happy with the choice that you made today, but daddy could have responded better to that. I could have said it differently. Um, you know, I could have asked you why you did what you did. I could have given you more input. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to be better tomorrow. Just that little acknowledgement, you know, trauma usually festers and gets worse when it's not acknowledged, when it's not dealt with, when a parent doesn't acknowledge that they dropped the ball and then that child grows up with it. But if you can find that way to treat it in the moment and say, sorry, you, you do two things. One is you, you, are, you're dealing with it. There's a healing opportunity, but there's this incredible teachable moment to the point where the next day, because I, I fail every day, if uh, if I'm out with my little ones and I and I react in a certain way, my, my daughter will sometimes say to me, "Daddy, you might be right, but I don't like how you're saying it to me." Like, okay. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's that's powerful, Paul. To to your point, you know, just about operating in a different way. It, it, sparked a memory by eighth grader was playing football versus a rival uh, eighth grade team this year. And they were down the other team scored and, and they were, the other team was obviously going to win. One of the dads from the other team yelled across the, you know, stadium, start the buses. And he's yelling <laughs> that like, I, I, it incensed me. So, so I'm yeah. right there with you. I'm intense. Yes, yeah. I probably could be a little bit better related to uh, getting on some referees. So I'm going to take that as a, as a, <laughs> as a token and, and a lesson learned and, and apply that a little bit. And, you know, Jason, what you said, being able to, after the fact, go to our son or daughter and say, you know what? I didn't react truly the way I wanted to. Yeah. I think that's a superpower. And I've done that with my boys as well. If it's an intense moment, and I, I'll come up and I'll apologize. I say, I love you. You know, I got heated in the moment. I think that's, that's a great bonding, uh, bonding moment that, you know, we can kind of write that wrong and say, Hey, we're not perfect. And that's another yeah. great thing to, to share with our kids because many times our kids will see us as those superheroes, but we're imperfect human beings, just like everybody. Right. right. So, so, yeah. so, so important. What uh, you guys mentioned, just, you know, aiming to transcend traditional parenting norms. What does that line mean to Paul, you first, and then Jason to, to you? Because I, I like that. 
Sure. You know, I think uh, it's funny. We've talking about, you know, parenting and coaching. Um, I, in my household, uh, my mom was manic depressive. My dad was an alcoholic, abusive father. So I grew up in a very tumultuous home and didn't really have those examples to learn from how to parent or how to be a dad. And, uh, you know, for me, quite honestly, a lot of my mentors and, and male role model figures were my coaches in basketball. Um, you know, I could say Hugh McDowell, Nick Morash, Ross Quackenbush, and, and Rick Plato, four very influential important men in my life that kind of taught me how to be responsible, how to be a man. And uh, without them, I don't know where I'd be. So I think I take a lot of those lessons from those men and how they held me accountable and how they taught me how to be a man and bring that into not only my coaching career, but being a dad and how I represent myself, you know, in, in the workplace and trying to be a leader. Um, but yeah, I didn't have those examples that a lot of, um, you know, dads and fathers have. I've always coached with younger kids, even when I was in high school and university. So I love that kind of mentoring with kids, but, uh, learning how to be a dad on the fly was very different for me. I'm an older dad. I was, I was 40 when I had my son. So okay. it was, uh, actually 42. <laughs> so, but anyways, um, I was a little more mature and ready for it. I think I waited because I wasn't sure if I was ready to be a dad. So for me, it's just trying my damn best to be, uh, you know, break the cycle. I've never raised my voice or raised a hand to my son, um, you know, trying to just break that cycle and and show him how to be a man and, and be a good man. Luckily, he's surrounded, you know, uncles and, and grandfathers that really are great men that, um, I, you know, he, he has a great foundation. And I think already he'll be in a better place. Yeah, and I, I love that. One, hey, not having maybe necessarily the, the dad role model ideal you want to have, having other mentors, coaches out there yeah. that you can learn from, right? And yeah. I think that's so, so, so important. And then breaking the cycle. I always yeah. like to say it only takes one dad to change that family tree forever. And, and Paul, you're that dad. So kudos to you, man. I, yeah. I love that. And that's, that's powerful stuff. Jason, what is, uh, you know, breaking and transcending that traditional parenting norms? What does that kind of line mean to you? Yeah, I think that just to, you know, piggyback on what Paul was saying, my Angela has a great quote. She says, when you know better, you do better. And I think, um, you know, so in that same vein, you know, I grew up, in a traditional household where, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child was the way that, you know, my parents raised me. And, and I see, you know, I'm on the, I'm on the warrior dad podcast right now. Like I wish my father had access to resources like this. So I think part of breaking that tradition is making sure that you don't have to, you know, there's that almost that unwritten rule, like your family, you closed back in the days, you close the door, what happens at home stays at home. And it doesn't have to be like that anymore. We have a lot of incredible people like yourself, Jeff, who are want to be a resource and a support system for other dads. And, you know, I've learned so much just in the few minutes that we've been talking on this call. There's incredible resources out there. You don't have to figure this all out on your own. I think opening yourself up to being a part of a general community of, you know, parents or fathers who just want to be the best version of themselves. I think that's something that my dad guarantee wished had at his disposal, you know, uh, when he was a, a young dad. And it's something that I try to, to make sure that I have access to myself. So I'm always trying to be a part of a parent's blog or when I sit with teachers or and I meet other parents in the school, I'm always just trying to be a sponge. I, 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 I feel like I'm much more confident, uh, confident acknowledging and admitting my mistakes as a parent. All of the things that I'm nervous about, um, the things that I'm maybe even self-conscious about as a dad, um, having conversations that I maybe never had when I was a kid with my parents, I feel like I can step out on a limb because 
I know there's other dads that are trying their best or the parents that are trying their best uh, as well. And um, we can we can just we can just tap into that a little bit more uh, And I think that it's going to make our jobs and journeys that much easier as parents as well. No, I, I, I love that. And I love how you really position that one thing I would say, and, and Paul and Jason, I'm sure you encounter this. I, I encounter it to the dads I talk to really frequently. Many times ego gets involved. Yeah. Right. The ego stops. Now I'm good. Like, what are you saying? I'm not a good dad. Go screw yourself, buddy. Like who, who are you? Where that's just not the case. So what would you say to, to somebody that might be stuck in that, in that loop? I'll Paul, I'll go to you first. And then Jason. Yeah. I, I think Jason touched on this showing up. I think, you know, showing up whenever you can, um, you know, I, I work late nights. So sometimes I, you know, I'll just get up and go over to walk my son to school just, you know, and, and, uh, or pick him up after basketball practice. If I, you know, whatever you can. And, and I do feel very guilty about not always being there because of, of my work hours, but when I can, I'm going to be there and I'm going to show up. And uh, we were, and uh, I have a, a good friend, talked about uh, shoulder to shoulder conversations in the car. That's mm -hmm. when kids really let their guards down. If it's just you in the car, you know, turn the music down a bit and just ask them a question, you know, what's going on? But you seemed a little upset at practice. You get a little frustrated. What, what's going on? Is it just basketball? And it's amazing. You know, they won't at first, but the longer the car drive goes, the more they'll open up that 20 minute drive home from practice or whatever. I just find those moments are where I really try to kind of connect where it's not like you sit down in front of them and like, let's talk right they, they're not going to really open up in that way but in those casual kind of environments walking down the street playing catch whatever it is just try to I always want to um my son to know that he could talk to me about anything I think as men we bottle things up um yeah. we don't talk about things uh mm -hmm. and you know there's there's just so many things like roadblocks about men being open and speaking with their with uh, their feelings. And I just don't want him to ever hold back and not talk to me about his feelings. Um, so there's so many little things that I try to do. I don't know if I'm successful, but I'm doing my damn best. And uh, that's all we really can do. Don't beat yourself up too much. We're all yeah. doing our best. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I had uh, a coach up actually in Canada, Larissa Mills is her name, and she works with NHL players and prospects. And that was one of the things she said. That car ride, yeah. Get get your kids off your phone, off their phones, and have conversations because they can't go anywhere. And many times they're open up. And to your your point, Paul, you're not across a table. It's non-combative because they're to the side, and you can kind of many times they'll open up and and have some conversations. Jason, what what about for you when you, know, you hear a dad where their ego kicks in and they said, "No, I'm yeah. good. I I don't need to improve." Um, this is just the way things are. What what would be your approach or, or yeah, idea? It's a good question. Sometimes what I find works for me is sharing first. So if you can, you know, you, it's almost like if you're comfortable in your skin, you make other people comfortable in theirs. And so I always, if I have a good enough relationship where I feel like I can exchange stories, as you know, parenting stories, fathering stories, I'll always share kind of where I fail, where I've dropped the ball, something that I'm working on or trying to be better at. And you'll be really surprised how quickly it disarms the other the dad that thinks he's got it all, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, they can see themselves in you or in your story or in that interaction. Then I think they're going to be a little bit more um, open to the idea that maybe 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 there is something to this and maybe I could also improve on my own. Uh, I was just talking to a really good friend of mine who moved here from Nigeria and okay. he had a very, very um, he said, this is the way kids are raised in this country. And I come to Canada now and I'm starting to notice 
that I have to I have to be very careful about how I say things and, and not because I'm cared carefully be carefully being caught, but I, I feel like there's a different way and maybe even a better way of, of parenting and communicating with my kids. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I said was, you know, as dads, what's our what's our default position as dads? And we could do nothing else for our kids and only this one thing, it would be protection. We would want to protect our kids at all costs. And so I said to him, I said, so what are you protecting your kids from? What is it? What are the horrors that this world can visit upon your child that you would do anything to protect them from? It would be somebody who would abuse them, whether it be verbally, mentally, spiritually, sexually, physically, it doesn't matter. You would want to be that shield. Well, then as a parent, it's really important. If you would protect them from all of these things, then make sure that in your own interactions and behavior, you don't visit on your, you don't visit those things on your child either. So you get upset and you want to discipline them. Don't do those things that you would make sure that nobody else does to your child. Yell at them, scorn them, insult them, make them feel less than who they genuinely are. Make them feel loved, make them feel safe. When they smell that scent, everybody said, everyone knows what their dad smells like. When they smell that scent 10 years, 15 years down the road, do they smell it and feel fear or do they feel safety and love and a refuge? That's what you want to make sure that your child feel about you. And I think part of the ways is, is, as I just explained. Yeah, no, I I love that. And one of the most proud things my wife, Heather, and I have with our boys is whenever they're leaving the house, they find both of us, give us a hug, give them a kiss, love you, and they head out. And I think that's so, so important and something that we've instilled in them. and, And they're 15 and 13 teenagers. They're still doing it. And it's, it's just a, it's a proud, proud dad mom moment for, for sure. So you guys got a new book, the backpack, talk to me about the backpack, what it's about, how, how it can be applied to either kids growing up or, or, you know, the dad, dad game, Paul, I'll, I'll, I'll turn the mic over to you first. Awesome. So I, I touched on it briefly, but um, at, at about age 13 or 14, um, I kind of was, uh, raised by my mom in a household, but it was a very different than a mom's son. It was more, I was kind of more the parent because she uh, was dealing with manic depressive bipolar disorder. Um, so a lot of times, you know, when I would see her getting sick and I'll, I'll use sick in quotations because the world has changed quite a bit. But when I would see her getting manic or getting depressed, I was kind of the parent and I I would have to get her to healthcare and get her to, you know, get her to the emergency room if needed. And uh, I think at a 13 year old level, um, I carried all of the weight of my mom's mental illness as a backpack and a burden around me. And uh, it was very heavy. Um, it affected, I mean, I, I'll be honest, it affected me long into my life, but as a child, especially it did. Um, and basketball became my escape. It was where I could just put that backpack down for a bit. Uh, for the most part, sometimes I wore it a little heavy. So the backpack to me was just a, a concept and a thought. And Jason and I kind of talked through these. For, this, this has been an ongoing project for about five years now. But okay. the backpack is a metaphor for the burdens and weights that we carry. And, mm-hmm. you know, the harder things get and the more you stress and worry about things. And in my situation, it was my mom that I worried about and stressed about. And and kids have a lot of things that they worry about. Tests, you know, peer pressures, friends, friendships, um, relationships. And I think that, you know, for, ideally, I just wanted to let, you know, 
parents who dealt with mental that are dealing with mental health issues and children who maybe have a parent in that situation that there is a light at the end of the tunnel that you know this too shall pass that there's ways to manage this and cope with this situation it isn't you know it isn't a death sentence and it, it isn't something that's never going to be better um, and for me, it was just, I wanted to have a tool out there because, you know, growing up in the eighties as a kid, people weren't talking about mental health. People were talking about mental disorders and there was a lot of shame and embarrassment and stigma surrounding it. And, um, I just have always wanted to, and, and, you know, it's kind of funny. We said that I want to be that person that I needed and I want to be the dad that I needed. I also want to be the coach that I need, that I had and needed, and also be an adult in the room that is needed. And so my goal with this book is just to kind of create uh, open dialogue and conversations for people to discuss mental health and just to be open and honest about it. It's, it's raw. It's, it's hard. It's very difficult on the people in the support, uh, supporting positions, families and friends. And I think we often look at the people that are going through it and, and feel empathy, but there's also a whole yeah. other side to it, to the, the, you know, the, that it affects people surrounding them. So I met Jason at Sportball and uh, we hit it off right away. He's an awesome guy. And he had done a, uh, published a book of his own and uh, we just started conversations. We went to the library and brainstormed and it was incredible. Just like the creative energy and um, you know, it's where it started and where it's at has been an incredible journey, but I'm really excited about the book and and Jason has been amazing through the process. I, I love that. And, I agree with you 110% as far as the impact on others, not only as, as kids growing up. I mean, I, I lost my mom to breast cancer a little over nine years ago. 17 years prior to that, she was first diagnosed and I was in my 20s. And I remember carrying that weight of her and, and she had a double mastectomy. I had to feed her soup in my yeah. 20s. I remember going out to, to lunch with a coworker and she asked me how I was doing. And it was like waterworks, right? Because you, you, you had to put on that positive face and, and you bear a lot of the burden. So definitely, uh, definitely agree with you there. Jason, what do you got? What's your, what's your slant on the book? What, what can you give uh, related to the, the backpack? Yeah. I mean, I really take my hat off to Paul. He gives me a lot of credit, but like, you know, this is, it's, it's a raw, uh, authentic uh, experience that Paul had as a child. And he really, you know, brought this to life in a really meaningful way. I also want to give a shout out to our illustrator, Taysen Martindale, who was able to take the text of this book and, and turn and create these wonderful illustrations that really paint the pictures that I think kids are going to be able to just visually, if you took all the text out of the story, you could flip it from page to page and you'll be able to know exactly what's going on. And I think that's the, that's the art of a great children's book, especially one that's illustrated. Um, you know, I think one of the things that Paul taught me was, it's not always sunshine and rainbows. I, my first book was My Mom, My Superhero uh, because I, I had an incredible mom and, and my wife is an incredible mother to our children. And, you know, Paul said to me, look, I love your book, especially for my son, but this isn't everyone's experience, especially as a child. And so let's bring some of the realities of, of what children may be facing at home and, and let's touch on it in a really unique way. And so, you know, we spent the last few years ensuring that it was developmentally appropriate and touched on mental health in a way that was very respectful um, and, and honest. And I think we've come up with this really great book that's going to spark a lot of conversation. And that's really it. You know, everyone's everyone's experience is unique. And, and our, our job isn't to say this is, you know, this is mental health and, and, and this is the one way. It's, there's many shades. And we just want to make sure that we are putting children and educators and parents in a safe space to have an honest and open discussion about mental health. Yeah, I think that's so, so important, that conversation, that discussion being open, honest, vulnerable, 
right? Oh, I mean, that that's that's so important. I think as dads, especially as as we kind of wrap up this episode, being vulnerable to your kids, sharing the trials and tribulations, it's it's so important. I, I've done that time and again with my boys and shared things that I never thought I would be sharing with my sons at, at a certain point in their lives, right? So I think that vulnerability, having those open discussions are so, so critical. Paul and Jason, where can people find you? Where can they find the book? I'll go, Paul, to, to you. Um, well, for me, uh, you can find me at, at Paul Brombie on X, which used to be formerly Twitter, <laughs> or uh, Paul Brombie on Instagram. Uh, yeah, those are my social media handles. And Jason, I'll let you talk about where they can find the book and all those other uh, great things. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a Junior Storytellers is our publishing company. So if you went to juniorstorytellers.com, uh, as of tomorrow, the pre-orders will be available for the backpack. We also have a great book on growth mindset called Nothing But Yet. And My Mom, My Superhero is also available there as well. You can always find me uh, on LinkedIn at Jason DeRosha. And um, I think uh, juniorstorytellers.com also has an email address that it comes to me personally as well. So if anyone that wants to write a book or publish a story or just wants to talk, continue this discussion, you know, they can always reach me at juniorstorytellers.com. Awesome. Paul and Jason, thanks for being on the show. Thank you Thank so much, you. Jeff. Appreciate you. Got it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Dare to be uncommon. Love, lead, legacy, create a legendary day. And we'll talk to you soon.